0: Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I am your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. We are now two weeks into the new school year in North Carolina and educators, students, and families alike are adjusting to a new normal in either a remote or hybrid setting. We will have the opportunity to hear from a superintendent, principal, and two students on how they are embracing this experience and ensuring that we have an effective culture to support our students, staff, families, and community. Building a culture does not just happen, it takes purposeful and consistent nurturing and engagement to support students in their academic, social, and emotional learning. Today we are joined by two veteran education leaders who are leading the way for educators, families, and students, Dr. Bob Grimacy, Superintendent of Moore County Schools, and Dr. Carrie Tilbert, the Principal of Northview School in Iredell-Statesville. While you both have phenomenal experience, I realize that this year is different than ever before. How would you describe your approach
1: to school this year, Carrie? Wow, the approach to school this year is unlike any other I've done. I've been a middle school principal for 10 years now. This is the 10th school opening I've had, and I've dealt with... um, problems that have popped up that I've never had to deal with before and but it's a great humbling experience um, and that's the same situation our teachers are in dealing with issues that we've never had to think through before um, so it's definitely been an adventure um, one that I know we'll look back on and think wow we did it we made it and we're going to get through it just fine so great and Bob
2: I would say from a superintendent's standpoint uh, Mary the challenge has been to uh for us to support uh, our outstanding principals and people that are on the front lines of of participating in what amounts to be a very historic time in North Carolina for public schools in all districts across the state. Uh, As I thought about this uh, uh, prior to our uh, visit today, uh, if I were to scale it down for those of us at the district level, we've had to pay specific attention to knowing the guidelines, the requirements and the opportunities, assessing the needs and perceptions of our students and teachers and parents locally, and then come up with a plan that aligns those local perceptions with what those guidelines are based on what the the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Public Instruction and the governor tell us, and then develop, take that plan, train and prepare our entire administrative team and our support staff and then execute that plan, which we've been doing the last two days. And then from that point on, just assess and, and refine it as we go forward. Um, and other than that, just stay out of everybody's way as much as we can, because they're doing a fantastic job.
0: Well, and it's such an interesting time, both, both of you are opening both in a hybrid plan as well as have students that are um, remote learning fully. and with the focus that you both always had on culture, it, that also is very different in the current situation and with all the logistics you're having to think about. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you've had to adapt that approach for school culture in the time of COVID. Bob?
2: Well, in, in Moore County schools since 2014, we've, we've had some of the most dramatic improvements on the North Carolina Teacher Working Conditions Survey of, of many districts across the state. We went from dead last uh, on our composite score in 2014 to now second in our region on our composite score. And the best way to encapsulate um, our philosophy on culture is to refer to it as high touch, um, Mm -hmm. high connect, uh, spending a lot of time with people. And so needless to say, in the context of a pandemic, we've had to shift from high touch to virtual connect. Uh, But we've also had to switch from uh, big picture, long-term continuous improvement to, I would say, learn what we need to know to ensure basic needs and get that information not too early, not too late, but just in time. So if you kind of think in terms of Maslow's hierarchy, Um, Our first responsibility during this implementation of our reopening is health, safety, managing fear, nutrition, fundamental access to learning, and then restoration of a sense of community. And that's that's a big leap for our organization for the time being, and it is a particularly uh, big challenge for myself.
0: Carrie, I know this is something you've also focused heavily on. So how have you had to adapt from a school leader perspective?
1: From a principal perspective, I've always felt like building school culture, positive school culture is one of the principal's primary responsibilities. And um, in my experience, it's been that you do that through your relationship building and through transparent communication. And so relationship building looks completely different now than um, it did even a year ago because we don't have people and humans to interact with as often, nor can we really interact in the way that we're typically used to interacting to build those relationships. And so um, the communication piece also being transparent with communication is even more important now with all the unanswered questions, all the extra things that we kind of have to think through. So. To me the communication hasn't really had to be adapted that much beyond just making sure you're continuing to communicate heavily and to make sure that our teachers and especially our parents and community know what to expect and know what's going on but the relationship part has been where i feel like i've had to make more adaptions even from our um, first staff meeting um, and what that looked like to um, continued interaction throughout the week with staff members when they came back for teacher work days last week and now to even with our students you know, um, it's really hard to think back of like, okay, well, I need to keep six feet away from a kid who's lost in the hallway, and how do you do do that, and um, you don't, like, it's it's so hard, you kind of have to step away, and that sends such a negative connotation, even now, when it's more of the norm than it ever has been, and so I think you just have to be more intentional about those relationships, and um, really have to use technology to build those relationships, even though that's not our go-to. Technology can make building relationships um, more efficient in a different way, Um, and so I think we uh, make sure that we have to depend on technology in that regard more than we ever have. I know we haven't wanted to depend on technology to be more efficient in relationship building, but I think now we kind of have to, and so we have to think outside the box and be intentional about using technology to build relationships. So even in Zoom meetings, um, making sure you're taking time to connect, even if it's through the chat box or through (laughs) face-to-face with your Zooms. um, I just feel like I have to really check myself to make sure I'm still doing that, Mm -hmm. especially when um, it's so easy to say, well, we don't have time to do that. Um, If you don't take time to build your culture, then everything else is not going to work anyway. So I have to remind myself, even after 10 years of doing this, Carrie, you have to make sure you're building time to connect, to build relationships, finding ways to do that, even when it's not being done in the way it used to be. I'd love to
0: hear how you've done that as a school superintendent
2: every fiber of my being uh, wants to have that opportunity to be in the room with students or be in the room with teachers or be in the room with parents. And um, I I, have always prided myself, uh, not only on receiving uh, people's perceptions and what they say to me, but also reading their nonverbal cues. And there's only so much that you can accomplish uh, in in that domain uh, virtually. Uh, I, I, I indicated earlier that the timing of input has been very important because we have to remember that we're leaders in a, uh, in a crisis context here. This isn't uh, your typical strategic planning workshop where you uh, hand out post-it notes to everybody and in two minutes you ask them to write down everything they can think about a given question. Um, th- you... You, you need good information and you need it at the right time. So when you close all the schools uh, with very little advance notice uh, and you thrust all the students into remote learning, uh, it really doesn't yield very good information one week later to ask everybody how's it going. Um, <laughs> in fact, Uh, That would be an ill-timed question because everybody's too busy to answer such a question. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, somewhere about midway, you've got to ask that question. And then you've probably got to ask that question again at the end of the process. Um, If principals and superintendents remember back to June, before any of us really uh, knew about Plan A and Plan B and Plan C, uh, we were all having these assumptions that we knew we would have to depend on remote learning in some way. So a lot of the early discussion in the summer was just on remote learning in any form or fashion. So we had to find out from our teachers uh, their postmortem mortem on how, how did things work. And it was during that time where I was struck by the fact that um, it varied greatly across our county. Um, And as many as 20 to 22% of our students had engaged with remote learning uh, less than 50% of the time. I won't get into the details of how teachers defined that. We didn't really sift that out for a doctoral study, but that really struck me. And I was really struck by the, um, as successful as we were, just uh, how so many of our students were beyond reach and that we really didn't know how much impact we'd had. I filed that one away because that would then inform my thinking on our planning for the coming year. Mm -hmm. Then there had to be that point where we found out from our teachers, uh, once we knew about plan A and plan B and plan C, uh, if we had plan A or B with students in the building in whatever numbers you choose, what percentage of our teachers absolutely could not come back? How many of them had medically fragile conditions? We didn't need to know what those were, but we needed to know if they or somebody with whom they lived had medically fragile conditions that would just render them, it impossible for them to participate in face-to-face instruction. And then also among the remainder, how many would have childcare issues?
0: Yeah, and you certainly help us understand all of the challenges. And in our last 30 seconds, I just wonder if you each have a one line advice for um, folks out there, families um, who are really trying to make the most of the situation, but also engage with their schools. So Bob, any final words of advice?
2: Very critic, it was very critical for us that we had to get that that decision making process to the building level. Work with your principal, Don't wait until you have a crisis that's beyond anybody's control. Communicate early when you're having any difficulty, no matter what the uh, school's approach is to education in this environment.
1: Thank you so much. And Carrie, the final word. I would just say advocate for your children as families, advocate for your children as educators. Um, no one knows the best answer in all of this, but the more we can advocate for what we believe is right um, and go with our gut, whether it be as a mother or a father or an educator, I think that's the best thing we can do. And just to communicate what that advocacy looks like. Um, we have to communicate more than ever just since it looks very different and we don't have that accessibility that we normally would have.
0: Well, thanks so much to both of you. I have so many more questions, maybe for the future, but um, for now, I just want to thank you for your leadership and what you're doing for kids. After the break, we will hear directly from a junior and a super senior from Vance County who will share their perspective with us.
2: Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives.
0: We are pleased to be joined today by two students from Vance County Early College High School. Welcome to Jorge Gomez, a super senior, and Ayana Anderson, an 11th grader. Thanks so much for being here. Of course. I'd love to hear from both of you as we go into this new school year, and I know you've already started. Um, What do you expect school to be like this year, and how are you feeling about starting in the midst of COVID-19?
3: Um. For this year, I really do, I really do expect us to be remote for majority of this year. And I'm kind of bummed about that because I wanted to experience junior year, like at the school and not at home. But I mean, what can you do about it? And as far as like being in school in the middle of pandemic, I'm kind of, I'm fine with being in school because I didn't want to miss school because of pandemic, because you know, I have goals when I get older and I didn't want to be like behind because of a pandemic. It's just the way that it's being handled as far as school goes. But as long as I get to go participate, I'm fine with that. OK, well, sounds
0: like you're making making the most of, of the opportunity. Jorge, what are you expecting and how are you feeling about it?
4: Yeah, I'm also feeling a little bit upset about it because I, this is my uh, basically my last year at high school and I really wanted to, like, make it a special one. And well, this is the year that we're applying for college. And since it's all remote learning, it's kind of like we have to do it all individually. And you know, we don't have that kind of like sense of community that I was expecting, you know, when I get at this point for all of us to just be there for each other and to support each other. And yeah, I think that's gonna, that it's all remote learning. I think it's gonna make it a little bit more difficult. And also like, yeah, in my case, uh, it's hard for me to concentrate at home. So I expect this year to be very challenging.
0: That's a great point and actually leads right into my next question, which is what strategies will you use or have you used to be productive, but also to connect with others so that you do get more of a sense of community? I wonder, Jorge, if you could talk a little bit about that.
4: So I try to like maintain like anything that would distract me away, like my phone. I try to like keep it like off or kind of like make it feel like I am at school, like have a notebook or a pencil, you know, something that'll give me that sense of me being at school. And yeah, I just try to keep everything quiet.
0: Thank you. Ayana, what about you? Have you found some strategies to connect with others or to make sure you're productive? I know you talked about goal
3: setting already. Um, I agree with Jorge. With us being at home, it's like we don't have as much discipline as we would in school as far as like keeping technology away from ourselves or like keeping our attention span on the teacher. So I do have to discipline myself and like put my phone away while I'm trying, while the teacher's instructing. Or, matter of fact, like i actually move into the kitchen instead of being in my room and watching TV while I'm on the laptop so I can like keep my attention on the teacher. That is good advice
0: that many students and families are probably nodding their heads right now as they (laughs) listen to you. Um, And something else, you know, you've talked a lot about remote learning, but obviously that requires broadband and internet access and also a device. And we know that many students across our state uh, may not have access to broadband or devices when they're at home. And I wondered, Jorge, if you in particular could share a little bit about what that's like living in a more rural area, but also how you're making sure you have access to learning.
4: As for me, since I live in the more rural area, it's hard to find an internet provider. So right now, what I'm actually doing is I'm using a hotspot for my phone. So yeah, that sometimes makes it a little bit more difficult for accessing Zoom and all those types of things, since the internet is a little bit slower, but I mean, I'm able to do everything that I need to do.
0: And one of the things I know um, that some districts are providing Hotspots like you're using. I know your family has one of those, but some districts are providing those or devices and I don't know if you could share just a little bit more either one of you about how your district is helping out families or students who may not have access To internet? Internet or devices.
3: Um, I've seen Facebook posts from Vance County Schools saying how they have buses projected around the county that um, have hotspots for internet as well as they're setting up, they've been setting up before, since before school started As school goes on, they've been setting up um, meetings for students and parents to go retrieve a laptop for them to work on it. So yeah, they're providing internet and both the internet and the technology as far as laptops and devices go.
0: That's really helpful. I'm curious knowing that you were both um, you know, in high school, how you've been able to engage in extracurricular activities, and have you been able to engage virtually in any of those? Um, Ayana?
3: um. Well, this year, I cheered, I've been cheering for the past two years, but I decided not to cheer this year because I wanted to focus on my studies because I'm really aiming to get a UNC um, after college after high school and I wanted to keep my GPA up as far as, you know, that's a really good school. You know, they look at stuff like that. So I want to keep it up higher. So I didn't participate in cheer this year, but I kind of did want to play volleyball this year, but you know, with the pandemic going around, I don't know if they're going to have trials and if they do, I wouldn't even feel safe playing myself because you know, it's a lot of bodily contact. So as far as extracurricular goes, I'm kind of worried because you know, for any college, that's what they look at. Like they want something, that stands out to you or what stands out to them and like I can't really get any of that in right now while we're doing a pandemic. So that's kind of a bummer. But
0: Yeah, and I'll be curious to see if clubs or other opportunities like that maybe yeah. with the school year open up a little bit. Or hey, how about you? I really appreciate that perspective, Ayana.
4: Yeah, so uh I was in a swim team for the last two years and yeah, I'm not sure if that's happening this year because of the pandemic. And I'm kind of upset about it because you know, I wanted to like Really give it, give it all that I have. So I'm just waiting to see what will happen with that. And regarding other extra, uh, other extracurricular activities, over the summer I was able to participate in an online program called LIFT, the Leadership Institute for Future Teachers. It was supposed to be in person, but they adapted it so it could be online, and I think it was really beneficial for all for all the students who did it.
1: Well, I
0: love that, and I love the idea that maybe you're going to be a future teacher. So that's that's fabulous, Jorge. Um, so I'd love to end with any advice that you might have for teachers and students because they're all trying to figure out just like you are how to handle this unique school year. Um, so in our final minute, I wonder if you could each give advice to teachers and students and how they can support students like you or what they can do Jorge, do you want to go first.
4: Yeah. So I think that everybody just needs to kind of like understand each other because from the point that I see it like I try to understand my teachers and really appreciate them because I know that we're frustrated too, but I'm pretty sure that they also are because they feel this frustration that we're feeling. And it's a lot of students that they're dealing with. So yeah, I think we just need to have like empathy for each other and kind of like understand and work with each other closely through the school year.
0: That is
3: great advice. And Ayana, you get the last word um my advice for the teachers is that i know it might feel like it's a little boring because we're not in class and you know it feels like we're not as engaged because we're online and through zoom and stuff but i just want to say be patient with us because this is all new to all of us the, people, the teachers and students and all that and like i know it's hard to be remote to be learning virtually and to like keep an attention span and keep the class going but we're all adapting so I just think that everyone should like try their hardest to like maneuver into this type of learning because you know that's what we can do.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Both have empathy, be patient and with all of with each other, right? That's such good yeah. advice. And, and I am certainly encouraged when I listen to both of you talk about what's possible uh, with our students and for our future. So thank you so much for joining with us and hopefully we can connect again sometime soon.
3: All right, thank you.
0: As I talked with doctors Grimacy and Tulbert and our Vance County students, Ayana and Jorge, I was struck by the fact that they are not just talking about getting by as we engage in remote and hybrid learning this fall. They are talking about continuing to move forward and to make progress. In a time when so many people are trying to figure out how to do what we have always done in a new setting or a new way, these leaders, district, school, and student leaders, are each figuring out how to do much more than survive but rather to thrive along with and for those around them. I've often realized that I can get a sense of a school culture by walking inside the building and spending just a few minutes with students or teachers. You quickly hear, see, and experience, whether there is ownership among the people in the building for the educational vision by how the educators think and talk about their students. You might get a glimpse of what collaboration looks like and whether or not student work encourages agency and voice, rather than remote instruction. You can see how classrooms react when guests and the principal walk into the room. Are they comfortable? Are they nervous? Do they want to interact? COVID-19 is changing how we build culture and how we even get to understand what a school or district's culture is like. However, it is only more important now than ever before. Distance can make people feel less connected, and teachers and principals having to learn as if they are new to their roles can make our staff feel even more vulnerable. As we go into the weeks and months ahead, Dr. Grimacy and Dr. Tolbert's words are here to remind us that culture is the key and the foundation. Having distributed leadership and ensuring that we seek, hear, and listen to input from our parents, students, community members, and teachers about how we are doing and what we need to consider have never been more important. School culture is the foundation that ensures that we see social and emotional learning as being important for all of the children and adults. Effective leaders understand that investing and building an effective culture is the work. It is critical to innovation, to understanding and respecting all learners, and addressing equity and the opportunity gap. School is back in session, and our students, staff, and families crave and need a strong culture and relationships. We know that there are frustrations and sadness about what is not or what is missed. It takes all of us working with the district and school leaders who strive to meet the needs of every child every day. It takes lawmakers and the business community to act quickly to improve broadband infrastructure. We can do this by being a part of the solution and the community. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today and we'll see you next week.